0: gentlemen welcome to another illustrious episode of the greatest podcast this side of the milky way 10 toes down it's your favorite host who loves doing the most dr j yo what is good illustrious that was a sexy one i like that one but yo what's been good how's everybody's week been hope it's been productive but yo i come to y'all talking right now i'm in the 16th Second So y'all know we closed on the building right So where I get this 16th second concept from I was on Facebook you know I be on there Sometimes so I was just scrolling You know how you kind of fall into that rabbit hole Where you start looking into videos And all that stuff right so Hit one video and 24 hours Later you still in the same clothes or you still in the toilet because your leg done went numb Yeah those kind of videos So I was watching this video and it was about This valedictorian And he was doing a speech and he was, you know, saying that, you know, he worked so hard to become a valedictorian. You know, he was stressed out. You know, he was getting all his work done. He didn't really have a social life. He didn't, you know, didn't really, you know, didn't really do anything. Mostly all the school year to make sure he became valedictorian. So at the pudding ceremony or the graduation ceremony where they named him valedictorian, um, he said he was excited. You know, he was like, oh my God, I did it. This overwhelming feeling. Everything was great. Yes, yes, yes. And he said he felt that way for about 15 seconds. And then after that, it was like, what else? Like what's next type deal. And, Right now, that's exactly how I feel. You know, I've done so much work um, in regards to trying to get this building, going through all the hurdles, going through all the loops. And it's like, yo, I I finally closed. Now we're in that 16th second where it's like, oh, hell, this is actually where the real work is. And in in the student's case, it was like, okay, high school is done. Here is life and now it's like okay now that the deal's done here is management so like the deal was only like the like the boot camp for what's actually coming next actually the deal part it seems like it's the easiest part because that's something that you can control with numbers and everybody knows their job everybody's working in some type of system versus now dealing with tenants and the, the forces of nature that be to try to help form everything and make sure everybody's on one accord because now you're dealing with people. So, yo, we're in the 16th second, but it is all good, man. Like like we said, one foot in front of the other, and we're gonna make this thing happen. So we're gonna cut to a commercial break, but after the commercial break, yo, I'm gonna let you know exactly how everything goes how how i worked out um how this thing is going to maneuver and what we're going to do because just because i got an investment property i ain't rich so for everybody thinking you about to buy a crib and you about to be rich nah that's not the way it goes so i'm gonna put y'all on game once we get back from this commercial break i'll see y'all in a minute dude man listen i'm a pharmacist and i still don't know how insurance works when i do have questions i always hit up appealing for your rx they're a central florida company that provides education on maximizing your healthcare benefits while also lowering your out-of-pocket costs so hit them up at www.deanna.carol.smith.com and use the code name 10 toes down and you might get a discount once again, that's www.deanna.carolsmith.com. You're welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. So you're ready to be put on game. Get your pads and your pencils ready, and let's get at it. So the knowledge that I'm about to try to give y'all right now, some of these gems are some of the things that I have learned on my journey through some of my reading, just through googling, talking to different real estate agents and investors um, just to kind of get my deal through. So I know a lot of you guys are either looking into getting a real estate, even if you're trying to buy your first home, maybe some things that you can think about as you get ready to transition, or you're just trying to invest in something and trying to figure out the best way you can go. So I'm going to give you the best knowledge that I've been kicking or that I've been learning. And if any of my real estate investors are out there, any of the brokers or real estate agents, you know, make sure that you're fact-checking me to make sure that everything is good so I'll make sure that we all getting good information and we can just learn for our deals that we're gonna be moving through. All right, so get your pad and pencils ready. So imagine that you saw a four-unit property. This is a quadruplex. And you saw it was $100,000. So first question you gotta ask yourself, are you gonna pay cash or are you going to use bank financing? More than likely, a lot of us out here are probably going to do bank financing, unless you just got a hundred thousand dollars in the bank. And if you're a lady, holla at your boy. What up, Joe? But no, more than likely, you're going to do banking. Um, so you have a couple options that you can do. But usually, the two common options are either a FHA loan or a Federal Housing Authority loan or a conventional loan now there's difference between these two now the fha loan is usually government insured to make sure that if anything happens the bank has somebody they can go to in order to get their money back or recoup their money usually this is where you hear that three and a half percent or you do a conventional loan is usually that 20 percent um loan that you normally see now so when i say three and a half or 20 percent, that is how much money you're going to put down based on the loan okay so Some things with a FHA like excuse me FHA loan. So you can buy a single family home or you can buy up to four units. So that means you can either buy a single family home, or once again, you can buy up to four units. So that means if you have an apartment building that has four units in it, you can put three and a half percent down. So you see how some of your options are starting to open up a little bit, right? So this is a little side note. There's something called house hacking you can do. So if you're a new homeowner or a new home buyer, what you can do is take that three and a half percent, get that quadplex, live in one of them, rent the other three out, and now you're pretty much getting paid. Boom, little tidbit. You can thank me for that one later. But the only caveat to this is that probably asking like wow well why doesn't everybody do this and have multiple properties you can only have one FHA loan at a time okay so that's kind of how they regulate that now the other way around it is by putting a doing a conventional loan which is usually 20% down on, um, on whatever investment property or home that you're trying to put down. Now there's pros and cons to everything, but I'm not going to get too deep into that right now. Cause that can be really extensive so back to our example. So what we're going to say we're going to do on a hundred thousand dollar property, because this is an investment property. So we're not going to actually live in it. We're going to actually rent all four units out. So we're going to put 20% down so that 100000 means that on that 20%, we're going to put $20,000 down on the property, right? So we're gonna do on average, you normally see about, for an investment property, you know what banks normally do about 20 years, but we're gonna actually, they space it out and we're gonna do 30 years, with is 360 months, okay? So right now, we got a 100 grand property, we're putting 20% down, which is 20 grand. That means that there's gonna be $80,000 that the bank is gonna to finance to us. Everybody good? Great, all right, so right now, You'll do a monthly payment. So if you pretty much did some easy math, which is eighty thousand divided by three hundred and sixty, I did the math for y'all. It's two hundred and twenty-two dollars. Okay, so that don't seem too shabby at the current moment, right? Because right now we'll say that our four units, um, one unit brings in seven hundred and fifty dollars a month. Um, another brings in seven fifty. Another one brings in six fifty, and the other unit brings five fifty. So that's four units, and that's going to put us at a whopping total of twenty seven hundred dollars a month. If you multiply that by twelve, that's thirty two thousand and four hundred dollars for the year. So right now we're just at twenty seven hundred dollars. So at twenty seven hundred dollars minus your uh, your loan payment, I guess you can say at two hundred and twenty two, that puts you at about twenty five hundred dollars boy, we rolling in the dough, right? Nah, there's some more things you got to calculate here. Now, the first thing you got to calculate is the property tax. So property tax is going to depend on where that property is located. Property taxes vary from city to city, town to town, zip code, zip code. Um, you can be on one side of the zip code and be in another area of the zip code. Um, and then the property taxes are completely different. So you can kind of get an average by either talking to your realtor um, or talking to your uh, the property appraiser. You can actually call accounting. The they can probably let you know what property taxes are in the area. But for the sake of uh, this imaginary numbers, we're gonna say that our property taxes annually is about $1,800 per year. Divide that by 12, you got about 150. So let's tag that 222. Plus that 150, and now whatever your total is, is what your total is. So, next, you're gonna have your homeowner's insurance or your business insurance for the building. So, if your house or your property investment burns down, you wanna make sure you can either get some money for it so you can either rebuild it. Or that you don't leave empty handed with this loan, this $80,000 loan that you still got. So you got to make sure that your building is insured to make sure that's like you insure your car, insure health insurance, XYZ, make sure that you insure your your investment property. So for once again, sake of numbers, we're going to say that's twelve hundred dollars per year. Divide that by twelve. That's one hundred dollars. So right now we got a loan payment of 222, right? Property tax of 150 and then insurance of about a hundred. Next, what we're going to have to do is property management. This is if you decide to do property management. In my case, I'm long distance, so I prefer to have a property management company. Even if you're in the same city, you may want to still do a property management company so that your investments don't become, I guess you can say, takes away from your ideas and your creativity. Whereas managing these properties become more of a job versus an investment. So have a professional property management company actually come in and take care of your properties. So you it gives you more time to, you know, hang with your family, do fun things and, you know, do more investments. So normally, depending on the city uh, or depending on the state, you'll normally see on average property management companies are about five to 10 percent of your monthly income. So at twenty seven hundred dollars, um, you would do five to 10% depending on, we'll go 10%, um, depending on whatever property management is asking for. And they normally take care of, you know, getting new tenants. They take care of, you know, any kind of maintenance issues. So they're not calling you, they call them the property management company. They also take care of any kind of, you know, maintenance services like lawn, or if you are like in New York snow, um, even my property management company set up my trash and stuff for me through the city. So It can be very helpful, but mind you, property management companies can make or break your investment. So make sure that you do a very question uh, you know, stringent process when you're picking the property, property, your proper property management company, man, that was a lot. So, so right now we got 222 minus the 150 minus the 100 minus 10% of the $2,700. So that $2,700 is starting to dwindle down a little bit, right? So the next thing you have to do is your cap X or your capital expenditure um, percentage. So usually this is about 8% of your monthly gross income from the rent. So we'll do now depending on now your cap your cap and I say up to 8%, your capex is kind of dependent on how old the property is. So if you're like in a 2015 and up or new development, you may not need uh, a higher percentage. Now your CapEx or your capital expenditures are, excuse me, capital expenditures are things like ACs. Or if a water line breaks or any kind of flooding or or like a roof or anything like that, major things that just kind of happen to houses um, after, you know, a lot of wear and tear or a lot of usage, water, uh, water heaters, things along that nature. So you want to make sure that you're setting money aside from your income to make sure that these things are being taken care of, that the actual property is taken care of and not coming out your actual pocket. So. Something like an AC can be three, four, five grand. So that chops into your profit for your annual. So it's always good to have that money set aside. So a house that was in the 1900s may need something closer to that 8% versus something that was built in maybe 2015 that may need, you know, maybe three to 5% because of the age of it. That makes sense. So we're going to say ours was built in 1900. So we're going to put about 8% to that capital expenditures next you have to calculate your vacancy now we wish that we can just buy an investment property and everything's going to be peachy king and that thing is always going to be renting out now nah. vacancy rate is pretty much assuming um you can now you can get this information from your realtor or from your property management company and they can let you know what the vacancy rate um is for the area now the higher the vacancy rate That is going to say how often your unit is going to be vacant. The lower, the better. So you can say if you're in a college city, um, you may have a higher vacancy rate more than a, I guess, a suburban area. You see what I'm saying? So you have to calculate vacancy depending on what city that you're in. And this percentage is usually about six to eight percent of what the income would be. Um, so for kicks and giggles, we're gonna say it's about 7% for vacancy. Um, the next thing is repairs. So you know, you got repairs like paint or your tenant puts a hole in your wall or the stove goes out. Um, or something along that nature that needs small repairs because mind you, you're a landlord. So when things are broken, you know, these things are in your care and you have to take care of them versus the tenant, unless you put something in your lease on, whereas that you have the tenants pay for these type of things for minute things. And as that, as a landlord, the, the, uh, excuse me, as a tenant, the tenant needs to be taking care of the property also, not just putting holes in the wall, think somebody else is going to pay for it. So, but that is structured in your contracts. So then you have things like water electric and trash um you can factor those things into the rent or sometimes in a certain i guess certain areas i knew in new york when i was looking at different properties some landlords took care of utilities some of them didn't so it just really, really depends on how you set things up so um repairs are usually by about five to eight percent um in regards to repairs and then water electric and trash that kind of depends on how you get things set up so it's beyond just a mortgage There's a lot of other things that kind of play a role in how much money you're going to use. So we started off with the four units making about twenty-seven hundred dollars a month. Okay, so when we factor in the property tax, the insurance, um, the property, uh, the property management company, the capex or the capital expenditure, vacancy and repairs. if you were deduce that or subtract that, that's 222 minus 150 minus 100 minus 270 minus 216 minus 189 minus 162. Don't worry about it. I did the math and stuff for you. Uh, that equals to $1,391 left over. So 20 you're at 2700 then when you calculate everything you end up being at 1391 which is not bad on a monthly income. That's still not that's not bad at all. Um this is actually not a not a bad deal. Um I still kind of come out making uh $1300 after every, everything is said and done. I wish, you know, it was kind of easy to find. So you went from thirty two thousand four hundred dollars to about sixteen grand after everything is said and done. But that's just my little tidbit of what I've been learning, how this process works. So is when you do that is one thousand three hundred and ninety one dollars, something you should quit your job over just yet. Am I a millionaire just yet? nah bruh because actually my net is actually a little bit lower than what this was but how you will acquire it is acquiring more properties to have more income that's coming in and honestly with this 1391 you shouldn't even really put that in your pocket you should reinvest that right back into the property or reinvest that back into your business to acquire more properties so One book that I'm reading right now was stating that you want to think of it as monopoly. You want to get at least four houses so you can get that one big hotel. You see what I'm saying? And just kind of renew that process as much as you possibly can. Now, there's a lot of different tricks to this trades and get things done in regards to financing and finding deals and all that stuff like that. But this is just like a very simple breakdown of how you need to look and analyze things. Um, before you start buying a property think I'm going to buy this one investment property and that's going to be it. Nah, like there's more things you have to think about. And this is stuff that I didn't even really think about. And I actually own a home. Um, but now that I'm looking at it in a different perspective, it's completely different. And I would have done things a whole lot differently if I had this kind of knowledge in the forefront. But, yo, I hope y'all wrote that down. I hope y'all are like, yo, I feel Enlightened, Josh, that made me into A real estate investor in about 20 Minutes, that boy is dope But nah, we're gonna kick it to a commercial break I'm gonna come back to y'all with a book Of the week, and then you know what, we Out of here, man, i see y'all in a minute Dude, man, listen I'm a pharmacist, and I still stay- still don't know how insurance works but when i do have questions i always hit up appealing for your rx they're a central florida company that provides education on maximizing your healthcare benefits while also lowering your out-of-pocket costs so hit them up at www.diana.carol.smith.com and use the code name 10 toes down and you might get a discount once again, that's You're Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. So, I got a correction to make. When I went back and listened to the clip, I realized I said that the FHA was a Federal Housing Authority. It's actually the Federal Housing Administration so my bad to all my realtors and investors that are out there who was ready to correct me but i got this relax and also um what i didn't know mention in regards to the payment of the loan is that you have to calculate in your interest rate now your interest rate is going to depend on whatever the interest rate is at that time they do vary between a conventional loan the fha loan and it also depends on like your personal situation also And they vary. I think right now they're like really low compared to what they were. But um, you got to calculate the interest rate, which will also lower your your income for the month also. But the book of the week this week is called Investing in Real Estate with No or Low Money Down. Real Life Strategies for Investing in Real Estate Using Other People's Money by Brandon Turner. Now, I really like this guy, Brandon Turner. He's one of the major hitters over at the Bigger Pockets website in their podcast, and he they created some books that kind of help real estate investors out, especially in the beginners, so it's really easy to understand. Now, what I mentioned in regards earlier to our financing, um, of course, you have the banks that you can use that offer the conventional or the FHA loans. But there's many other ways to get money. Um, you can use family and friends. You can use investors. You can use hard money. Um, there are so many different ways and options in order to get real estate, master lease options, all these different things that are out there in order to acquire property. And you know, I think what so many people do is when they get into this real estate game or they want to get into real estate game, the first thing they say is, I don't have enough money to get into it. And I can understand why you think that way. But one thing, like we mentioned, we can't say I can't. The next question that we have to ask ourselves and the question that we have to ask ourselves from now on is how can I afford it and start moving into that direction? But this is a phenomenal book. It definitely helped me out in regards to how I'm going to be working out my next deals and opening up possibilities of how I can acquire other deals that may seem out of reach from my pocket. But if we can work some type of deal out To to make sure that both sides are winning Something that we can actually get done So you know what I'm already on Man y'all know I'm on Audible Hashtag holla at me Bezos So yo make sure that y'all kick Next week's ass man It deserves it And always remember man you got 10 toes down You got another chance to get this right I see y'all next week, man. I holla at y'all. Peace.